and welcome back for episode 37 of the Rugby Paper podcast. It's fair to say that we have a cracker of an autumn series coming up, as all the international powerhouses look to stake their claim ahead of the World Cup in a year's time. Joining me to preview it are Brendan Gallagher and Chris Hewitt, as well as former South African lock Flip van der Merwe. Back with Chris Hewitt, back with Brendan Gallagher. I've got a bit of an illness, so I'm sorry if that's carrying through, but the show must go on, and the show goes on with former South African lock Flip van der Merwe. How are you, Flip? Yeah, good. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, good to have you as well. So, where are you? Where are you calling us from, Flip? Um, I'm calling in from a town called Biarritz in France at the moment. So, um, settled down here for the last two years, uh, running, running, running our business from years from over here. A proper COVID choice, you know, to come to come live somewhere where you work somewhere where you like to live. That's 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 the idea. What's the business? Uh, consulting. So we work in data data strategy consulting. Enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. It's um, you know, it's, it it changes uh, life after rugby, and um, as you saw, as you know yourself, you know, I've had big ambitions doing doing my MBA uh, at the Judge, and and the idea was to go into the city afterwards, and then, well, the the big old COVID came, and, and which you know, in my in my in my sense was a good thing because you know it. It it forced me to pull the to pull my finger, you know, and and start my own thing and, and get the show on the road, and, and so far so good. I guess moving to Beirut and putting rugby behind you aren't necessarily compatible because of the the nature of the town. Are you completely, you know, put it behind you? Or you aren't getting roped into play every now and again. Uh, to play, no, but I do love uh, you know sitting in the stands. Um, we've had uh, well last year we've had Beirut, you know, being very good, and this this year we have Bayon, uh, you know, st- uh, off to a bang. Um, the people, the people around you, you know. I don't know if everyone knows, but you know, Biarritz and Bayonne is about four kilometers uh, apart from each other. Um, so the people in the area is, is passionate about rugby. So it's it's quite good to get out on a on a Saturday and and have a few beers with the crowd and just enjoy the rugby side of the of, of things. You know, that's that's what we all love. There was a good fight on the field between Biarritz and Bayonne a few years ago, where um, it featured Imanal Arinordaki who liked a bit of a scrap, and his father, who and ran onto the field yeah. to help him out. So, what's <laughs> not to like? Yeah. Everything's a family affair in Beirut. In terms of the MBA, has that tied in naturally to what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, they definitely helped me a lot, and 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 well, still, still today, you know, that is, is a is a thing when you. Uh, you sit, you sit in marketing class, and you think, "Oh, this is this is a bunch of bollocks." You know, marketing is is all just fun fair, You know, get on Instagram, and there you go. And then you understand the intricacies of it, and the and the science and the philosophy behind it. You know, and it's how important it is of of getting the business going. Um, so there's little aspects of it. You know, little all the bricks that we learn in the MBA. You know, managing the people, etc. It helps me on a daily basis. Um, outside of the of the peer strategy and methodology. How's your French? Je parle français quotidien. Ah, c'est super. <laughs> I'm guessing you knew French before you went out. Um, I, I, when I arrived in France, well, it's been seven years that I've, uh, I'm in France now. Yeah. So when I arrived at first, I didn't speak a, speak a word of French. So it's much better now. It had helped that I ended up in a town called Clermont-Ferrand, where yeah, of course. There's, there's zero English. You know, if you speak English, um, people think you're invading them. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, 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 it helped me. 
Filippo once interviewed Oster Rant and there was zero English there as well, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, see, that's the so so my 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 origins explained, you know. I went to I went to school in Bluefontaine, you know, hometown of Oster Rant. So, you know, there 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 we used English as self-defense. So, you know, it was <laughs> all, all, all the same. Am I, am I right in thinking he retired just as you started playing for the cheetahs? He I, we did we did cross. So I was lucky enough to play with Osterrand when he prepared for the 2007 World Cup. He, he made a comeback around 2005, 2006. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was I was a, a very much a junior, you know, add-on. I played university rugby in Bluefontaine, and I think I made over the three years about seven appearances for the Cheetahs. You know, so I, but I was I was lucky enough to to. Uh, play behind him, you know, behind him, guys like Oli Leroux, uh, Rasli Rasmus, and Mark Kadrotsky, those, you know, legends. So it was actually a pretty good part of time of my life. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, it sounds like there are, there are worse places in the world to be than beer, certainly. So it sounds like you're having a great yeah, time out yeah. there. Let's look at the Autumn Internationals. That's the agenda for today. Brendan, I'm going to come to you first to just, just sell the Autumn Internationals because I, I, I personally am quite excited. I, I'm sure that you guys are as well. Absolutely. A year out from the World Cup, they they always ramp up a bit, don't they? I remember the 2002 Autumn Internationals were, were off the Richter scale. 2006 were pretty good as well. So there, there's, you know, that almost doesn't need explaining that these matches really count. But just the way the dynamics played out this summer with such an open, uh, competitive uh, rugby championship. Now, we're not sure about the absolute quality because they're now going to quite come up north. But it was a Really good tournament to watch. Really interesting. Um, so they're, they're coming up here. And there's just that feeling that rugby's been through a rough time at the moment. This could be a, a fantastic platform to showcase everything good in the game. Top players in the world, all here by the injured ones. Big crowds. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm just looking at South Africa's um, fixtures here. And they start with Ireland and France. I mean, Jesus, that is some start to a tour. Italy, who are no pushover at the moment, and then England. I mean, this, I don't know who put the schedule together, but this is one hell of a, a schedule for South Africa, and we're going to really find out about where they are now. Let's have a look at South Africa then. So, Flip, I mean, it was a funny summer. 2-1 series win against Wales, which was probably, you'd say, less than fully convincing, followed by a very up-and-down rugby championship, which you probably expected to win certainly after the first game against the All Blacks. You're defending champions next year, obviously, yes, but probably not favourites at this point. Where do you feel that your boys are standing at the moment? Yeah, well, that, that's probably the best thing, you know, Oli, that you're saying that we're not the favourites. I mean, that's 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 the best place for a South African to be is, you know, fighting a fighting spirit, you know. Um, I think the rugby championship, you know, the fact that we were blowing hot and cold is, exa- is exactly the same thing. We were, as soon as we became favourites, we became a little lackadaisy and, 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 and took our took our foot off the gas that's probably the the theme of the summer series of the of the tri nations was the fact that they a little up and down um a little bit of a suffered a little bit of a long COVID, i reckon you know that that <laughs> two years two years out of the out of the mix and out of the window where the northern sides and new zealand and australia did play some rugby you know could really see the south african and the cohesion didn't really mix um, there's a lot of things happening in South African rugby, a lot of good things. You know, the introduction of the URC, 
I think it's a it's a great thing. It's a it's a great step toward the world calendar, towards getting getting you know uh, European rugby is the, is the center of where things are happening and and getting them in the picture. Um, I think that's a subject for maybe later. You know, we all know rugby is kind of in a particular spot at this at this moment and. You know the 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 only thing the only thing that will make that better is 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 access and making it open to more people coming into the November test. Brendan said it. You know, we, you can you can wipe out your eyes and you are you are zero from two, and you're facing Italy and Rome, which is no, which is which is no blowover. Which you know they their last game they played they beat Wales so. You have to sort of, you know, get your get your ducks in a row for this November test, and then you have a little surprise of of Munster and Bristol there in between as well, which <laughs> you can you can <laughs> lose those midweek games, and then there's no momentum going into anywhere. Can you uh, reflect on on this flip? So many of the major test teams spend an awful lot of time together now, a tremendous amount of time. The All Blacks, yeah. England, England certainly they're classic examples. The French do what they do, so they may be slightly different, but it's it, and it, that's that is argued by the coaches to be the key to success: continuity, continuity, familiarity. That's what we can take on the field with us. South Africans are all over the world, as we know, really big name South African players. You cannot physically spend that kind of time together in a New Zealand or England way, yet you're tremendously successful in, in tournament rugby. When you need to win, you appear to be able to win. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, it, it's it's a very good point uh, you're making, Chris. It, it is, um, I, I think what what Rusty did well at the start and Jacques Nidabe is, is, is taking into the Springboks at the moment is a little bit of freedom and a little bit of making the player the best Possible player you can be in 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 that context. Uh, you can see that they play with a lot of freedom, and I think that is the thing that helps them. You know, these players are playing in France and England and Japan because they are the best in the world. <clears throat> you know, so there's no there's no reason. And if you get them back for two weeks before test series, try and coaching them. You know, there's, there's there's nothing you can you can teach them. You know, so the only thing that they might lack, you know, is is, is that little bit of cohesion. You know, that little bit of okay, let's let's train together, let's sweat together, let's have a couple of beers on a Wednesday together before a big match. You know, uh, that type of cohesion, you know, might might lack, and that's 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 sometimes the thing you need to to push you through those those really tight games. But I think the the coaching structure is in such a sense that they. There's a lot of player control. You see that there's a there's there's, there's a lot of pull from the players. You know, uh, look at your arm and Eben and Siakulisi and uh, even you know Dwayne from an, another supportive context. And you know, you get guys like Vili and um, you know, Andre Pollard in, in that context. And even the second stringers that's been there for ages, Franco Mostert. You know, you think about him is he's been there for 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 ages and ages. So real leaders in their positions. Um, so you don't really need to coach them. You don't need these three, four, five weeks of staying in another hotel room and and and, and just breaking the rhythm out. So, so is, is it in a way that the South Af the recent South African regimes have basically mastered the idea and the art of treating their top line players like grown ups, give them a lot of freedom, don't make them feel restricted, make the Springbok something they want to come back to from something that they've really wanted to do. I mean, that seems to me to be quite an adult way of going about it. 
It's yeah, one hundred percent. You know, the the thing is, coaching coaches get into this this insecurity thing of you know having to check the boxes and having to overcoach the players. You know, and uh, especially international coaches, you you get into a position that you know I haven't done anything for six months, and now I've got them. So now I, you know, finally I can I can <laughs> I can put my imprint on down onto them. So you know that that's the that's the thing you should you should be self-aware of and 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 you should fight against so i know they've got these little satellite camps uh, everywhere you know especially in south africa and you know that's probably the solution they have why they have this abundance of talent you know young guys coming through left right and center so they have these sat- little satellite camps so even the the younger guys coming in if if, if they have to a, a replacement like uh, a guy that 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 filled in quite nicely for me was Elrich Lowe, the number eight from the Bulls. You know, he he looked like he he played thirty odd tests already when he when he made his debut. So, um, you know, that's a that's that that for me is a good sign. You've lost six out of your last ten against Ireland. Will that start being in the heads for the players yeah. as they take the field in Dublin? Yeah, we should just state that for a record. I've never lost against Ireland. So. <laughs> <laughs> I won't um, ask that, you how that it might feels, be. Then. That might be the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you were expecting a call then before the order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Ireland would probably be the would probably be the 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 biggest test. Yeah, I'm gutted, you know. I've got my got my spots, but then you know the old green mamba is still holding me. I don't have a visa to get over to to the UK, you know. So, but uh, you know, I think that will be that will be the cracker of the test, and and that will determine the rest of the test series, whichever way it goes. You know, if they if they lose, they will come to France to Marseille, which is going to be a, a big one, you know. And uh, you know, want to state want to state the want to state the territory, especially in front of you know in front of the home crowd and before the World Cup next year. You know, there's a lot of playing, there's a lot playing on that match. If they win, you know, they're coming over to France with a lot of confidence. Also, so you know, um, I feel for the Frenchies in this context. What do you make of the sort of discourse, and I'm speaking that this sort of came out after the Lions series in 2021, about the brand of rugby that South Africa play, which may be, you know, against the likes of Ireland and France, who are one of the few teams in the world that probably can match your physicality, then maybe have that extra dimension of, okay, we can actually blow a team away in the back line as well, in a way that South Africa haven't shown to quite the same extent. Yeah, well, I think you need to go YouTube, look on your arms, tries, mate. <laughs> well, I was I was going to come to him because yeah. he comes he comes out of the team in the rugby championship, and all of a yeah. sudden the attack looks a little bit blunted. Hundred percent. No, I, I do I do agree with you. Um, yeah, well, it is a it is a good old narrative, you know, and, and it's it's you know when when it is a, it is a thing, especially that the drum is being hit hard out of the the UK quarters about South Africans being boring and uh, and whatsoever, you know. But you know that's. Also, why we are three times world champion, and why everyone else uh, they're copying. You know, we see New Zealand and Australia, and everyone driving now, and you know, having all, all of a sudden having these forwards that can uh, be muscly and all that and whatsoever. So I'm smelling jealousy. I <laughs> <laughs> can't really argue with that, to be honest. But do you think you're going in second favourites in? The France and Ireland matches. Would you say that they are favourites? Yeah, I, I do think I do think Ireland. You know, in in any year that's outside of a World Cup year, they're always a, a very a tough team to beat. Um, they, they, especially playing in Dublin. You know, they they sort of have that that territory almost uh, sacred New Zealand type of vibe that you don't lose at you don't lose at home. 
Um, I, I do think they, they're very well. They've got great players and key positions. Don't know what they're going to do the whole Sexton situation, but you know, see see what see what go goes goes around there, and then you know France. You know France is just you know they what the, whatever they touch, they've got a great thing going. You can just see the the whole the whole spirit around the French team is 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 something different. If they can manage themselves, I think Galtier is doing a great job with in that sense. You know, managing the ego, sort of the um, the less fair. Um, situation you know just that we are we are too too good to be touched um you see see what happens in Toulouse you know at the moment it is it is you know as soon as they get the ego gets them in the way of the rugby then they take horrible beatings and as soon as they just play rugby because they're so talented they're unstoppable so mm. um, I, I agree with you in the sense that Ireland and France is by far the favorites even leading up to the World Cup not only in November yeah where are you going to be watching South Africa France in Marseille, Marseille. Excellent. We, 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 we all know Flip the um, the importance of Sexton to the Ireland side, and and clearly they they've made the decision that they're going to get him to the World Cup come what may. Given the importance of him to Irish rugby, can we take it that the Springboks will feel duty bound to be gentle with him in Dublin? <laughs> Definitely. Well, you know they. they... <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be nasty you now, but you know, so, <laughs> that's, that, that is the you know that's you know we've got big boys going to going to run into his channel. That is that is 100 that is 100 sure. So you know if you know he's a great player, and if he, if he can stay if he can stay fit, you know that's it's a key part to 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 Ireland. You know he's he's getting into that uh, Dan Carter territory of you know if you touch him, you get a penalty against you. You know. That, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we 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 always uh, you long past that. Yeah, yeah. The referees, the referees have their little you know shushus. So you know, uh, but he's not he's not a great one for self preservation, Sexton, isn't he? He, no. is, he he does seem to overestimate his own physical capacities. Exactly. He, you know he, he, what he lacks in what he lacks in physicality, he makes up in heart. That is that is hundred percent for sure. You know, so uh, you can see he's, he's very he's very passionate about the the way he plays and. The way he mixes with um, Andy Farrell, I think, is a, is a good thing. You can see they they get both very fired up, and we know we know they are both very fired up characters. So um, they they're probably good the one for the other. Yeah. yeah. Flip, can you help us out with the box halfbacks? Because what is the first choice pairing these days? There's always been a bit in and out and injuries and faff on fire one day, not the next. Uh, and other issues. Uh, where are we with the, the box first choice halfbacks? Yeah, it is. A, it is a bit of a, a bit of a tough one uh, these days. It's. I think uh, we can see Faf has, has lost a little bit of form, and and you know, maybe that's that's the thing we're saying. You know, playing in sale. You know, do the do the box coaches have confidence in in the way they're treating him as a nine at, at sale? And the well, now he's, he's, of course, he's just gone to Japan as well. So uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and then on the other hand of that is is, is Hendricks, you know, proper making 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 that step up and playing playing some great rugby. Uh, with Reinach knocking at the door, and we know as a replacement, it's probably a bigger, a better pick than than Faf as a replacement. You know, uh, so you know that's that's a tough one to call. And then <laughs> at ten, anything can happen. I I quite like the Damien Valencia at ten. I I like what he I like what he brings. If he if he he definitely has the stature and and uh, and. Uh, 
uh, a responsibility, you know, to to take on the, the big games. It feels but like it, it needs to start somewhere, doesn't it? And, and you've got William yeah. Leroux anyway at fullback. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, you know, he, he, he does exactly what you guys said earlier. You know, he, he's a bit of a guy that takes the ball to the line and, and challenge, challenges that first, easily places that first uh, phase carrier, uh, second phase carrier around the corner. Can, can, can we put him in the, in, the, in the long list of great South African running outside halves like Nas Bota, Henry Honeyball, Butch yeah. Butch James, Pollard. <laughs> He's, he, he, must have, he must have made more yards in his career than that lot put together. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. It, it, is, it brings a whole new dimension. Um, and, but then the, the other thing is, you know, do, we, do you want to pivot or do you want actually want someone to attack because you, you should understand what you're working with around you? Who do you have? Do you have Creel and do you have Dalende running, running off of the number 10? Then you probably don't want the number 10 to take all this space. Uh, because you have this, you have this great players. Um, so it is, it is a thing. It is, a, it is a, a difference of of using him as a pivot or using him as a as a as a as an attacking weapon. Have the physios at Leicester Tigers been made to look a little bit? I don't know by the fact that Andre Pollard came back a lot earlier than expected, and then twenty seven minutes in, he's coming off injured again. Yeah, well. I think the fissures at, at Leicester Tigers look better than the dietitians at South Africa. So, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is a thing I, you, you have to feel for Andre because you arrive at a new club and, you know, it's obviously, um, there's been some in, investment made into to getting him there. There's a lot of pressure on him to take that gap left by by Ford leaving there. Um, so you know a lot of weight on his shoulders. He, he didn't have a, he didn't have an amazing time at Montpellier. So you know I think he wanted to get his own confidence up and get some game time in to to play again. So maybe you you try and ignore some some little niggles and say, well, it's just a little bit soreness. So I'm going to get on, and then you you. First game back, you play against you get a beast of a side, and then yeah, well, that's 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 how the story goes. It's no big secret. So, uh, don't want to blame it hundred percent on the on the fissures or the doctors. You know, there's maybe some some responsibility in the self also there. And you know, we it's a physical game. It's a physical game. So you're gonna get you're gonna get injured if you if you if you play it, and just have to accept it. Talking of talking of Leicester, um, Flip, how close is? Yes, for Visa to really nail in that number eight position, though. Yeah, right. no, I think he's, he's, he's in it. Though. I think I think it's definitely. Don't want to use the term he's to lose, but you know he's to make his own. Dwayne is coming more as a supporting role. I think uh, the old the old body is struggling more and more as he as he's getting more and more game time through Ulster. You know, it's, it's it gets tough to rugby when you when you hit the thirty fives. You know you. <laughs> <laughs> you're carrying one or two one or two kegs to, too many and it's tough to get around the park and, and, and Jasper is an absolute monster I think he's 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 under great coaching at, at Leicester as well and the, the the way they they use him is exactly the way South Africa wants him to be uh, he's got a lot of fight a lot of mongrel in him and and he's he's actually quite skilled for, for such physical guys so I think he's he's a uh, He's going to be key to South Africa, the World Cup and going going forward. Before we look at the Autumn Internationals as a whole and especially the England side of things, Flip, let's do your round and rugby 15. 15 quick five questions. Are you ready? <laughs> we can try and be ready, yeah. <sighs> Nickname? Chopper. Chopper. Why? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> Extremely long, I would imagine. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 one that came from 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 residence and school days. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Best rugby memory. Best rugby memory. You know, I, I was I'm trying to think. It's probably the debut. I have to my Springbok debut will stay the biggest one, and then. You know, the amazing places you play, uh, the French championship, stuff like that. But I have to choose the debut before it all. Most embarrassing rugby memory? <laughs> Probably getting wiped out by Owen Franks. That's, yeah. <laughs> I have seen that clip. Pre-game yeah. pre tune. I, I, I did like a little bit of a, a Inter Sandman, Metallica type of vibe nice. just, to, just to get the blood flowing. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm not surprised by that answer. <laughs> Post-game meal. Varies from something just to to get the nutrients back uh, and a lot of beer. Best player you've played against? Bobby Richie McCall. Best player you've played with? Victor Matfield, by far. Favourite player right now? Favourite player right now? Uh, Look on you, I'm, I'm such a such a fan of his, but um, uh, if I have to go, if I have to go opposite, yeah, Will Jordan, he's brilliant. Rugby idol. It was a good, you know, that's the funny how life works because, you know, later in my life, I've played with both of them. But when I grew up, you know, Victor and Bucky's were my absolute, absolute heroes. You know, I've had posters of them on my walls and stuff. Uh, before them, probably is in Zandbrook. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Favorite stadium? Favorite stadium to play Loftus Fastfield. Favorite gym exercise? Uh, yeah, uh, sitting on the bench. <laughs> 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 Occupation if rugby didn't exist. Yeah, I probably would love to stay something adrenaline like in sports. Uh, I would go if I was much smaller, like Formula One. I think you know nice. something. Something I would like either a mix between being Formula One star and Eddie Vedder. I think would be the would be the good thing. You're actually bigger than a Formula One car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I say. If I come back reincarnated, that's a small yeah. Or invent a new gen of Formula One where you just race in monster trucks. <laughs> yeah, well, very yeah, cool. Yeah. Superstitions. I, I actually I had to I had to think about it. I I had none. I, I don't have any superstitions. You know, I went for a while that I had to have bolognese before a game, and then you know, soon you realise you know when we play for Karafka, for example, and you know you have to finish. Uh, some classes on a Friday evening before a match, you know, then you soon realize, well, it's not gonna, I'm not gonna cook up something in the res uh, at Queen's before a game. So you, you, let, you let superstitions go because otherwise you don't feel good for a match. Rugby law you would change? I probably wouldn't change the laws as much as I would the people who interpret them, uh, you know, try and try and regulate them a little bit more. But a really stupid law, I think, at the moment is the, that. Um, the goal line kick for a held up for a held up try. I think you know it's just it's counterintuitive uh, to a, towards attacking rugby. You know, so. Quite a few episodes ago now, we had Peter Winterbottom on, and he said that whenever a scrap breaks out, you stop the scrap, you get the players together, and they just get one punch. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would. I, 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 I for long was a big fan of you know the NHL method of. You know, okay. If you if you dug into us, then you know gloves off and you fight till till one one taps out. <laughs> Get a lot of niggling stopping. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Here's a sneaky sixteenth question for you, vaguely on this subject. We've seen Bucky Bucky's Bucky's smile 
and we've seen Ebenezer Betts' stare, which is the scarier? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've probably had more friendly fire from Bucky, so I, I would go for I would go for I would go for Bucky's, but then. Um, you know, Eben plays in a in a in an era where nothing is a, is is allowed. You know, so um, between the two of them in a dark alley, I would probably not want to. I would don't don't want to. You know, find find anyone any one of them on their own. You, know? you don't want to be in the same town, do you? No, no. And I'm yeah, I'm big enough to say that now. You know? <laughs> Best thing about working in rugby. Best thing about well, you getting to do what you love all the day. You know, and, and and then, you know, I was lucky enough to to actually be paid to play rugby, you know, which, you know, if you tell anyone that, you know, that's, that's actually, it's ridiculous. But yeah, um, it's just the, the passion of, of doing, really doing what you love. Yeah. 15 questions done. That was very quick. Fun. Actually, we need a 17th as well, Ollie. As we All go, right, go on the Ritz correspondent here. Well, what's your favourite rugby bar? Slash restaurant in Beritz because I think between us being Chris. Oh, Ritz, India Ritz, India Ritz, okay, yeah. Uh, India Ritz, I uh, the rendezvous de Hall is probably a very good one. Uh, and where's that in relation to the port or the or the, the casino? Yeah, it is, it is in the where the with a big market in the center market in the Beritz town is, it's just on the corner of that. They've got a they've got a good setup, you know, what you need in the rugby bar is, is a good selection of, of uh, a very good lager. I'm a lager man, so you need a good light lager and yep. you need the good, everyone needs to be able to see the, the television. You know, so. And some sort of tapas as you near the Spanish border. Yeah, there's always some tapas going. You know, that's that's why you see the the shirt is a bit tight these days. <laughs> how, how did how did you find it, Flip, when you finally arrived in a country that served beer that was capable of making you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am South African. You know, we, we are known to you know if if something doesn't make you drunk, you just drink more of it. So, um, <laughs> so. so no, no. Well, we all, all, we all do it very responsibly, you know. Obviously, so you know that's 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 the aim, and the aim is to in, to enjoy it, you know. But it's it's good to discover new cultures. For those who don't speak French, that are listening, Le Rendez-vous des Halles. That's H A L L E S. Yes. Yeah. That's yep, the word. So if you're ever in Biarritz, give that a go. Yeah. Right. Actually, Flip. One question I forgot to ask you, and you did mention it very briefly, was the South Africa A Tour. And I'm going yeah. to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, okay. in terms of anyone you'd like to see given a go, be it a, a position gamble. I know Evan Roos is probably an obvious one, but anyone that's standing out that South Africa could use, could use that South Africa A tour versus Munster yeah. and Bristol to give a chance. No, yeah. For, for the, uh, well, you, you, you said that Evan Roos, I think, you know, personally, you know, it, it's just, it might be the, the blue ball's blood in myself and him being a stormless player, you know, that's, that's got this feeling. But you know, I, I do think he, he, he needs to prove himself a little bit, you know, he's, he's, a, great, he's a great player and it's, there's always this danger of becoming a great provincial player. And the, the thing is, you know, he, he, he played, you know, with no disrespect, he played against a, a very average Wales, Welsh side. You know, he, he was given a, an opportunity to make his debut and, you know, got taken off. A good young fit guy got taken off after 50 minutes. You know, it's probably not the best image that you want to have from your, from your coaches, you know. So, uh, going going on a long tour, you know, it's... it's um, 
they have four games plus the two plus the two midweek games. You know, so it's going to be a good five six week stretch w- with the team. You know, so maybe it's some time for him just just get integrated, rub a bit of shoulders with the guys in the seat. It could be unfortunate for him that Alrich Lowe is also there, and they're sort of the same same age. And you know, we've seen the story story many a times all over the world where your timing is just bad as a player. You know, you just play at the same time as, as someone as someone great. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example now, but you know, there are plenty. Well, Marty Holler would be one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Simon Simon Shaw would have won a hundred England caps, but for Martin yeah. Johnson. Exactly, but you know, see, there, there's plenty, plenty of, plenty of those examples. You know, you know, I, I would like to use myself as well. You know, if it wasn't Bucky's and Evan, there were a few good uh, around in your time, weren't there? I mean, yeah, we, yeah, I, yeah. There, 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 there's a hundred more locks like me out there. So, you know, it's not, it's not <laughs> but um, so, so that's probably it is an opportunity for these midweek guys to to make a name to just get into the. Feeling of what it is to be in be in a squad for that long, you know. Um, especially, especially we've touched on it earlier. The, the fact the fact that we they don't have these five week training camps or training camps with the whole squad, you know. So you, you maybe you 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 miss a little bit of that hierarchy of of what a, a, a international team looks like or what, what is the what is the vibe like? What is the stresses that you have? That's different to provincial rugby, you know. And these guys rose to the top quite quickly. You play your first first year of, of URC, you win it. Um, the rugby is quite easy, you know. So you know, you know, get the get the head a little bit smaller, get the head through your t-shirt uh, type of vibe, and you know, c- come back to the basics. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of players that we would like to see. Uh, also, a fact that I would like to change is that we can look watch URC in France at the moment. It's it's not possible. It's pretty stupid. Uh, well, unless you pirate it from somewhere, which is not great. But yeah, the the the, the fact is, like you know, there's, there's there's a lot of there's a there's a young lock at uh, a Nokia lock at the Bulls that I get. So there's a, there's a there's a, a young you know I'm very biased towards the Bulls, but there's a young lock at the, at the Bulls also also very good Groblar. So there's a, there's a there's a lot of talent that that that's going to get an opportunity. Probably a lot of um, fringe players that. Um, Wants to knock on that on that World Cup door and wants to be wants to be permanent and, and has to play an important leadership role in that young in the young player context as well. Can I just digress just for a second on on, on yeah. this because you're, you're talking about about those guys that you know people up here may may not have heard of or may not have seen much of. What's the situation down in Eastern Province now, in your view? Which is, I mean, we've had the Wasps and Worcester. <laughs> Stuff going on in 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 the Premiership, Eastern yeah. Province, just a massive rugby area. I mean, a real pioneering area in terms of multiracial rugby in South Africa. I mean, it was always the it, it was yeah. always touchstone for that side of things back in the day, and it's gone through such terrible problems. And it's such a mighty province. Can you yeah. get some idea of what the situation is down there? The thing, yeah, Eastern Province, a massive breeding ground of, of great talented players. Uh, Rusty Rasmus himself is from there, Sir Khaleesi himself, you know. So I think the, the, the long and short of the whole Eastern Province fiasco was the corruption, the government inter- intervention and corruption from that side. It, there, was, there was never a sustainable business model around how it could be attained. And, you know, I, 
you know where the money comes from or where where it's going you know they they got funding a, a lot more than any other team in the in any competition you know super rugby or not they got a lot of funding and and none of the junior of the structures were in place eventually you know they they swapped around CEOs all of a sudden a lot of people made a lot of money out of the whole con you know catering and <laughs> what a hospitality and in the end you know in the end same as same as wasp same as Worcester if you rugby is a is a very easy business model is you have to play and you have to fill up stadiums you have to win titles you know so if you if you don't tick those type of boxes you know you can it's wishful thinking to say we have to have everything in place but you know if you're not winning and not getting bums on seats then your your business model is not going to work but amongst the community, is the game still alive yep. and thriving there? Very, very much. Uh, they, they've got they've got great schools over there, so the school system yeah. is very good. They've got good universities, so the next step is is, is good as well. And and uh, the it's uh, Nelson Mandela Bay University, it's called, and I think they've played in the final of the Varsity Cup. is is a, is a very big club club competition in South Africa as well. So the, the the structures are there. It's just unfortunately when it when it gets into that that professional top end, yeah. professional top end, there's there's too many people standing open open handed to get get their their worth. Thank you. Let's look at the other teams of the autumn internationals and just the overall fixture outlook. Slightly difficult question, Chris. I'll come to you. Who is this the biggest autumn for? Who has the biggest chance to make a statement? Do you think we've obviously got some cracking fixtures? South Africa. I've got a hell of a list. New Zealand as well, and England have got plenty of chances as well against the Southern Hemisphere. This is obviously the matchup after the Rugby Championship that we've been waiting for to see how North pits up against South. I think um, for the incoming sides, it's massive for Australia. They very rarely—I don't think they've ever had two bad World Cups in a row. If they if they're down on down one tournament, they bounce back pretty strongly the next. And I feel as though I'm beating the wrong drum because I keep on thinking and saying publicly that they they could be a bit of a threat at the World Cup, but they keep on turning in results, which seems to indicate that I'm talking complete nonsense. So I'm they they're not getting any continuity of selection. I think too many big players they've hamstrung themselves on their own selection policy. It would be very interesting to see if how well they would play if they could just have two or three games with a genuine first pit team with people fit. I still think they could be a threat, uh, but I do think they need some a couple of encouraging results this autumn just to give them the lift going into World Cup year. Well, let's obviously not forget as well that they have the, the non-deathy side of the World Cup draw as well. So all you need to do is... <laughs> You know, hopefully, oust Australia, England, Argentina. Uh, sorry, Wales, England, Argentina. So, I, I, I think if they string a few performances in, they could absolutely be a threat. I, w- I would add to it. I think it's a pretty big series for England as well, mind you, because there yeah. are. I mean, I mean th- this regime's been in place a long time now, and there are still significant question marks over who the best fifteen is. Um, mm. We st- still haven't settled on a midfield they're happy with. Still yeah. haven't. Extraordinary. Yeah, and with 20, 20 injuries, I think, or something like that, I don't think we're going to get that chance, are we? No, no. I, 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 but I, I think that the England had back-to-back misfires in the Six Nations. They had, um, they had a summer victory in Australia, but we just talked about Australia's weirdness at the moment. 
Um, so I do, I do think at Twickenham, full houses, big profile, I think that England need to make some steps and they certainly need at least one really, really big scalp. And by big scalps, we're talking about the obvious, one of the obvious two. Why on earth has Ollie Lawrence not been included? Do you think, do you think Eddie Jones just has a, a sort of personal block on the idea? I think there might Lawrence? be an issue there. I mean, he spent a lot of time in that squad two years ago now, wasn't it? It was the, uh, the lockdown autumn cup or whatever it was. Um, and when they did play him, they didn't pass to him. Uh, and it, it didn't seem a happy fit there. What I would say now is, Ollie, you, have to, you can't make a mistake of thinking Ollie Lawrence is another man in Tulagi. He's not. Ollie Lawrence is a completely different player. As we are now seeing at Bath, he's got a lot of gas. He's got some great steps and some offloads. Um, he was. He looks to me much lighter and quicker than he was um, two years ago. So perhaps they've been looking in the wrong position. You know, he's not Manu Mark II at all. He's a different beast, a different animal. And that means he's got to be a 13. Well, at 13, he's never been able to make up his mind, has he, Eddie? So I'd, I'd be really disappointed that he wasn't in, given that you know, England have got injuries and they are a little bit short in some areas, I think. Um, it would have been a good time to get him in. Elsewhere, you were, you were saying, Ollie, about who is it a big autumn for? Well, straight away, you got Scotland sort of open it up in terms of the home nations this week against uh, Australia. Uh, is it this week or next week? Yeah, this yeah, week. This, this Australia. Weekend. And they dropped Finn Russell. Now, straight away, we're into the, that debate again. You know, what, what is Gregor doing there? Because Scotland, I think, are quite close to being a pretty good team, but they just don't seem to get all the bits of the jigsaw together on, on, on the same day. And of course, Finn Russell being Finn Russell immediately has a blinder last week in the top 14. Um, Scotland, Scotland for me is a perfect example of what we talk, spoke about earlier about a coach trying to actually coach an international team. Um, gets so little time and then, you know, I have to be important. That's, so, so yeah, it's a good point because a lot of his players are, of course, well, not a lot, but Scotland do allow their players to play away in, the, in England and that and they come back. But there is that temptation to do too much. I'd say Finn Russell's not a guy who wants too much Control no. at Scotland training. He's playing. What would you do? so good. Why would yeah. you try? Yeah. yeah. You can see where the friction happens there, can't you? Yeah. It is so strange as well, given the fact that Gregor Townsend, who, who, who to my mind, was a wonderful 10. I mean, yeah. under, underrated in many respects. But one of the criticisms of Gregor was always that he was a bit wayward, that you couldn't. You couldn't you couldn't actually say we're going to do A, B, and C without him doing D, E, and F because okay. he thought it might be a better idea. I mean, now it may have been a better idea, but the same goes for Finn. If yeah. if if we're going to say that we don't want playmaking midfielders who don't play the game as they see it, then I think we're on a pretty strange road. I mean, he is he is so gifted, Russell. So yeah, who knows what goes on behind the scenes? There's obviously pretty strained relations there, and. Um, and, you know, Greg is a man in charge and he wouldn't be the first boss to say, basically, I'm in charge, you're not. And um, uh, I'll see you when you understand that. I take it then unanimously, we all disagree with the way this has been handled. I mean, you're, you're not seriously saying that Finn is the fourth best 10 in Scotland. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. I mean, whether you know, Adam Hastings is playing very well, whether he's an absolute shoe-in as the starter is, an, is another debate, depending on what game plan they've got in in situ, but no, I mean, Finn Russell has to be in the squad. Well, Finn may be the fourth best outside half in Scotland. It's just that no one has seen the other three. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> nice. Well played, Chris. Going back to something you said, Brendan, about Ollie Lawrence being a 13, I'm interested by that comment because that would imply that you believe Manu Tuolangi is a 12. And I know that Chris has argued that Manu's better at 13 and Chris is <laughs> fed up of this debate, but I am enforcing it and coming back to it. I'd put, put it the other way around. I don't think Ollie Lawrence is a 12. I think okay. he's a 13. The debate about Manu and seeing that he's getting towards the end of the career, we should have settled this debate a long time ago. But I'm open to persuasion there. But I think Ollie Lawrence is a 13. He's not a 12. I, I, saw, I saw a great performance of Waiting for Godot once. And the only better the only better production I could imagine is, is if Manu Tuilangi was actually Godot. I mean, he's been around now for a dozen years. He's been, he's, it's a bit like the Johnny Wilkinson syndrome where he's one of the few players that are broader sporting constituency, few rugby players that, that sort of has a big public profile. It just seems that we're waiting for a, a bloke to fulfil his potential. And we've been waiting so long that the potential is probably beginning to run out. Now, I know he's had his fitness in, uh, issues. I know he's had his disciplinary problems. There have been legitimate reasons why he hasn't done it. But if you count the number of great Manu Tuilangi game-changing, eye-opening performances at test level, you can probably get them on the fingers of one hand. And he's, his reputation just seems to be way, way, way inflated over the level of his achievement. And it's beginning to drive me nuts. And it completely clouds the selection issue at midfield for England for 10 years. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter who we pick because Manu's on his way back and that's been the case. For yeah, the it's just years. always the subject, isn't it? Flip, oh. what do you make of that, both in terms of the fact that we can't seem to decide on his best position? Obviously, South Africa are a team where your sort of big ball carrier has hit, you know, historically gone at 12. Not that Damien Dialende doesn't have other elements to his game, which he does in a way that Manu probably doesn't. And also the sheer over-reliance on one player or the idea even of one player. Yeah, it is. It is a complicated thing, you know. I can I can see both sides of the of the scenario where you want that type of senior player, you know, leading the team and 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 always sort of knowing, sort of knowing he's got a safe spot, you know. So that that, that sort of certain players in your team, that, you know, uh, South Africa as the Dwayne Vermeulen and. and New Zealand has uh, Richie Mwanga. That's stuff that you know. Well, they're going to be injured, but when they come back, you know that's that's their that's their um, that's their spot. But then, at the same breath, you know, you need them to be a great leader. You need them to actually, you know, sort of be a, a, a leader in the way they handle themselves and the way they handle off the field and the way they they get the group together and you know <laughs> the way they they rally the supporters and you know listening to the chat that that doesn't doesn't seem to be the doesn't seem to be the scenario so um I, i'm also for you know making then making decisions somewhere as a coach and being the bigger guy say so, well i need to win a test but also i need to build for next year and the years after you know so let's let's start let's start getting the younger guys in and Let's start building towards a uh, a World Cup win again. You know that's that's ultimately what England needs at this at this this time and moment. I, I can see the argument for Tuilangi at thirteen. I, I I really can. I mean, he's he's running into there aren't any soft areas on a rugby field now, really, because of the way the game has changed. But he's still he's still got the capacity on an outside arc to really worry a slightly more sparsely populated defence. You know, give him space, give him some ball, and give him a run up. And he's, he's, you know, I mean, he, he has his gifts. But 
Owen Farrell is close to undroppable. He's a, he's a 90-odd percent goal kicker for a start. He's close to undroppable. If you're going to stick with, if he's not going to play at 10, then he has to play at 12, which means you're now looking for a 13. So none of this really adds up to me. The Tuolangi side of it doesn't really add up to me. And if you ask me for his best position, it's where the Lions have always used him, which is on the bench. Yeah, and, you're, and you, have a back at, you have a back at off good 30s in England, don't you? Flip mentioned leadership. Farrell now concussed. How can you tell? <laughs> yeah, he looked fine. Uh, Courtney Laws also concussed. Who's captain? Ellis Genge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you think it will be Ellis Genge? Well, it has to be a first choice player, obviously. Well, Tom, Tom Curry's obviously done it in the past. Yeah, I'm not convinced by Tom Curry as a captain. It's good to see him back in form. I like like that, but I think he needs to concentrate. He's got a lot on his plate in the back row there. Who's who's the guy who gets England going? It's Ellis again, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. You agree with that, guys? If if, if 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 Jamie if Jamie George had been first like, first choice hooker, still, um, I think I might have I might have looked at him because he does seem to have the ability to um, to just look at things on a slightly broader canvas than some other players and with some ob- objectivity and with some cool headedness. I'm not sure that we could accuse Ellis of being <laughs> cool headed. Although I do think he's a far brighter and he's certainly a very articulate guy. And I'm sure he has terrific leadership skills because in, in you know, as Flip will con- confirm is still, it's still a game where at some point you're going to have to pull pull people together and saying, look, we're up against a war here and we're going to have to fight for our lives. And if Ellis says that, it probably counts for more than Marcus Smith saying it. So it's, um, I, I can see the Genge, you know, um, school bully turned prefect argument. I think that's probably pretty, pretty good. It would be a Jono type captain for me. It would be a little bit of a risk initially. But, you'd, you know. say, you'd say more than Martin, wouldn't he? <laughs> Martin yeah, but in terms of presence well. on the pitch and in the change, yeah, we can't compare the two composures. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question on the England front one player you'd like to see given a go this autumn, Brendan. I'll come to you. Uh, I think, I think Rafi Quirk uh, is, a, is a beast of a player. Uh, he's not consistent. He had a poor game last week when I watched him, but he does. He, he, in the last 12 months, he's done two of the best try-saving tackles I've ever seen in my life anywhere. He scores great tries. He's got X factor. Uh, England need to get him involved. He, you know, he might be on the bench uh, initially, but they need we need to see more rapid work. Chris? I think I think Arundel's worth a, worth a decent look. Yeah. A decent oh. look. I mean, I mean, just for partly for the same reasons that Brendan has, has just described. Uh, with his, with his pick, I mean he's he is an he is an X factor player, and with with Johnny May gone, there's an opportunity. Well, hopefully Arundel's fit because he's one of the ones on the list after the weekend, sadly. Yeah, but so so is Farrell and so are a few others. I mean, yeah, well, Eddie Eddie will get that go. They'll get that go. back because Eddie is a magician. Now I'm going to go for put you all on the spot now, and Flip, I'm going to come to you first. I want you to tell me who goes unbeaten this autumn, if anyone. Any potential upsets, can say none, and a, a star of the autumn who you're expecting to light, light up uh, the rugby pitch? Unbeaten, I'll go All Blacks, unfortunately. Okay. Upsets. <laughs> uh, upsets, uh, uh, you guys are going to hate me for this, but I'll go England-Argentina, actually. <laughs> 
I, I, I do I do like Argentina and, and Al Checa is working with the team and getting them getting them psyched up and then star of star of the tour. I'll go I'll go I'll go South African way and, and, and go old Mr. Visa. I think Jasper Visa will be yeah. we might pick. Can't argue with that. Except for the Argentina. Brendan. I think France will be unbeaten. Upset. I'm gonna go really left field here. Kiwis have been up and down all season, all year. If Wales can just get themselves in the right place, they've got a shout. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put it higher than that. But if you're not, you know, what is it now? Near 70 years. If you're not going to beat them now, you're not going to beat them. If, if they just don't do anything funny during Haka, then they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and stars, uh, we've already mentioned Will Jordan, who I'm a huge fan of. And this Puma Carrera scores magical tries, um, as does Harry Arundel. So let's hope Henry Arundel can get some game time. What? They're the players I want to see come through. I want to see some of these extraordinary tries that get you off your seat. Chris? I think the All Blacks will go unbeaten, part, partly because they've um, they found themselves a front row, you know. I mean, they've, they've got a hooker who's playing out of his skin, absolutely out of his skin. And they've got two young, or at least under your props, who you can just see it growing. You can just see them growing in stature. And it's been an issue for the All Blacks. They, they have a few issues elsewhere. I still don't think they can nail... Their midfield, a little bit like England, actually. But Geordie Barrett's performance at 12. I mean, I know they've named him as an outside back in the squad. But Geordie Barrett, with no, with all-round footballing skill and some physical presence. And Rico Ioani, I always get to pronounce his name wrong, but Rico is, is playing out of his skin as well. So I think if you chuck all those things in the mix, I think they go unbeaten uh, on this occasion. The shock result? I'm not saying that they will win, but I think Georgia will give Wales a horrible hurry up. <laughs> a horrible hurry up. I mean, I think Wales look really weak at the moment. And and I, and they've looked weak on many occasions previously and have, have come out firing, but they're, they're just in tatters domestically. I mean, it's absolutely horrible. They've got injuries all over the place. I think the Georgians who have a feeling of great self-righteous anger at not getting the fixtures that their their growing stature deserve. I think they will target that game and think that it's a massive opportunity for them against a side that's not at the top of its own game. Player of the series or player of the autumn, I can't see past very far, very far past Will Jordan, I must say. So we've got Georgia beating Wales and Wales beating New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, thank teams, you both for continuing to maintain the credibility. It's always back, it's back <laughs> ability. That's what counts. I owe you It'd both be an upset se- win if, if you can predict it, would it? Yeah, I know. I owe you both several pints if that turns out to be true. <laughs> uh, right, guys, we'll wrap up there. Great bunch of predictions. So thank you for doing that. Apologies for putting you on the spot. Flip. Look forward to the autumn. Really excited for it. And we hugely appreciate your time. And I wish you all the best continuing living it up in beer it. Cheers. Thank you very much, uh, Ollie and GDBO. As always, remember to get a copy of the rugby paper in stores on Sundays, or you can get it delivered to you through our digital subscription. Whilst we've got a hell of an autumn to look forward to for the men's game, the Women's Rugby World Cup is heading towards the knockout stages. We turn our attention back to the tournament next week as I'm rejoined by Rocky Clark, and we welcome England Lock and World Player of the Year in 2021, Zoe Aldcroft.